0: I'm joined here by Nav Vazadev, who's a colleague of mine, uh, in the UK, uh, and a friend. yourself. Um, maybe just summarise any conflicts of interest you have. And uh, you're going to talk about the prism study, which is an oral presentation at ESMO this year.
1: Yeah. Uh, thanks very much, uh, Tom, and uh, thanks to you both for 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 having me on. It's uh, it's an honour to to join you. So so yeah, Nav Vazadev, uh, GE Medical Oncologist in Leeds, uh, as uh, Tom says, and uh, delighted to talk to you about the PRISM study. Uh, you mentioned Conflicts of Interest. I mean, this, it was an investigate, investigator-initiated study uh, funded by uh, BMS, so probably worth uh, clarifying uh, that. So should I kick off? And yeah, yeah tell us about, about
2: the background and the
1: design of the study yeah yeah sure so 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 Prism was a, a randomized phase two study um and we were essentially we we're interested in the scheduling of the ipi component the ipilimumab component in the ipinevo frontline um combination in rc rcc so you know those familiar with the combination will will know that the, the toxicity particularly in those initial 12 weeks of of treatment can be you know significant right and um, but you know based around that three weekly dosing of of ipilimumab and you know, we've seen this you know, data from kidney cancer but also we've learned in from from melanoma and lung cancer that that uh you know certainly the dose can be is relevant to the toxicity of ipi but also uh potentially the frequency with which you you deliver that ipilimumab so, so in lung cancer they've played around with three weekly versus six and 12 weekly and um, and, and going with the, the latter schedules based on tolerability. So, so that was the premise of, of Prism. So, the hypothesis that was that if we give the ipilimumab less often, uh, we will we can make the this combination more tolerable whilst maintaining efficacy. That that was the the hypothesis. So, we we had about just under two hundred patients randomized two to one in favour of a modified schedule in which we gave the IP every twelve weeks for four doses uh, versus a standard arm in which patients you know, got conventional three-weekly uh, IPI. And, and the same so, dose of IPI, right? Still one
2: per kilogram? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. IPI-1,
1: NEVO-3. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's right, Brian. So, so we designed the study so that we could formally compare those two arms in terms of tolerability. So the primary endpoint of the study mm-hmm. was a safety endpoint, the, the proportion of patients getting a grade three, four, treatment related adverse event in terms of efficacy because of course you know that's key right if you if you are we just making it are we making it more tolerable but less mm-hmm. effective so ideally we would have liked to have powered this study for non-inferiority uh, uh, of the modified schedule but look you know this was a phase two study that wasn't going to be uh, feasible so you know, and at the time we sat down to design this and i've got a Acknowledge, you know, Tom has 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 been uh, key to getting this getting this study done. So, so we've got to. um I want to um, acknowledge that, thanks, Tom. But so, now, that's sweet. <laughs> but at the time we sat down, it was usually a hindrance. So I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> so, uh, so you know, Cepheid so, so was still the standard of care when we were designing this, and Checkmate two one four hadn't read out. So. We we decided to sort of try and benchmark the activity of the modified arm against the data that was available, and that was patients treated with frontline sinitinib. So you know we based it around actually patients um, from
2: the from the compost. Tell us tell us the top line findings. You did see less toxicity.
1: Yeah, top top line met primary endpoint, uh, Brian. So significantly less uh, grade three or four adverse events in the modified arms. Thirty three percent versus. 53 percent of patients uh, with standard IPI. and and then of course the interesting question is around well what what, what are those adverse events then that, that are that are being sort of uh, modified or lowered in by giving 12-weekly IPI? and you know it's interesting it's actually only sort of three three or four um, As that in particular drive that that difference that we saw so arthralgia in particular Colitis to some extent, hyperviscitis to some extent, and actually, but the biggest difference was that in the in the rate of um, lipid, serum lipase increases, which you know arguably uh, is not hugely, maybe clinically significant, but mm-hmm. you know it still speaks to the idea that we're, we're clearly
2: modifying the, the AE profile. Did, um, did you have data on uh, high dose steroid use in the arms, or hospitalizations, or maybe other measures of you know difficulty for
1: patients? No, nah, we would love to collect to that, Brian. i was really keen. on trying to get the, the steroid usage. We don't have that. I guess. I guess the other bit too. This is to look at the the percentage of that we're stopping treatment due to toxicity. You know, and that was also that was lower uh, in the modified schedule arms. Um, so 23 percent versus thirty nine percent stopping due to to, to 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 toxicity. So I guess that's that's sort of another handle on that. But we. I
2: don't have. We don't have the the that sort of data that you're asking them. And do you think you know thirty nine in the standard arm, thirty nine percent stopping for toxicity is higher than Checkmate, right? That was twenty three percent or something. Is that just maybe a reflection of, you know, not a big phase industry phase three study or?
1: Yeah, you think? yeah, I, I, you know, you're right. I thought about that as well. It is, it is, it is. Um, it's quite a bit higher than than what we saw. I I've got maybe two two things to that. I mean, one is real world. Ex- just to take it into the real world for a second, and my my instinct is that it, in real world, it's probably higher. Mm-hmm. So, but I know this was a this is this is a this was a, a randomised. This is a, this was a trial setting, but you know whether there's there's an issue around that, and I don't know whether whether we've learned a bit along the as along the uh, along long to, as we've gone along in terms of lowering our threshold to stop stop these drugs. You know, in terms of seeing that we can afford patients uh, treatment-free intervals and that we see durability of response mm-hmm. even in the absence of ongoing treatment. I you know I don't know.
0: And, and go ahead, Sam. So, so now, question for me when you looked at the efficacy parameters. Yeah. The first thing is how did the benchmark perform, the control arm perform against what we know from 214? The, how many patients in the control arm? Was it nine? I, I can't remember.
1: I think six, so, 60, 64 in the control arm.
0: And how did they perform compared to benchmark two four? You know, benchmark two nine months response rate was forty percent. Yeah. So benchmark, if you go on, if you go
1: on the median, then you know in the in the uh, so this isn't saying the modified intense treat. You're looking at 10, 10 month median PFS. Yeah. So yeah, we're well within the within the confidence intervals of the two one four. Uh, Data. Similarly, if you look at response, objective response rates, you sat around that 40 percent mark comfortably. So, you I think in terms of those parameters that we're, we're there or thereabouts to 214, I think the questions arise perhaps around are we seeing the same durability of response that we saw in 214? so you know obviously so this we're report reporting at a median of 20 months follow-up so it's it's pretty good but ideally we, you know we really want to see we'd love to see more more follow-up with this data to see you know where does are we going to see a similar uh plateau of the curve and where does that lie and you know it's probably worth, worth saying we didn't see the same sort of cr rates and you know median duration of we hit median duration of response with 19 months follow up. So we're seeing median duration of response of 15, 17 months.
0: the two arms and the PFS and the two arms. I mean, they were overall they were very similar to one another. Is that fair?
1: Yeah, you know you couldn't you couldn't you could not choose between them. If you, you the, the the PFS curves completely overlie each other, uh, Tom. So there's really nothing to choose between them. Um, so, you know, we can't formally compare, as we've said, but, you know, informally, there's nothing to choose between them.
2: So, so now, do you, uh, how I guess maybe the big picture question is, how much IPI do patients need and when? You know, there's studies looking at, obviously, NEVO versus IPI-NEVO. There's the omnivore in HCRN studies, which tried to give it later. There's your study of modified dosing. I mean, do we know, melanoma has been through this a lot and we're just starting. Do we really know, or what's your opinion on? How much IPI, and and when, and how frequent do patients need?
1: Yeah, I mean the, these. Are, I mean, you know, and I think if, if nothing else, what what Prism adds to this growing sort of story that we don't we don't know how best to give these these drugs in in combination, and and you know what this. I think the key thing is that it really it's starting to highlight that we can maybe uncouple the the efficacy of these of these drugs versus the the associated toxicity which is you know which would be which is neat right obviously if we can uh do that but you know i don't think we know the answers i thought we i think like for instance we've seen in melanoma some data you know if you're not responding after two if you're not really responding after two hippies and um, another two isn't gonna uh rescue you so i mean small num small numbers but yeah, I think it's it highlights that we don't know the the answers to those questions, Brian. But they, you know, they're, they're important questions, and you know, particularly as we think about using these drugs in the adjuvant setting, I think clearly um, becomes more 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 pertinent still.
0: Now, was there any quality of life data?
1: There was, Tom. Yeah, we 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 used um, sort of the standard tools that are that are used in in. RCC uh, trials like like this, so we used the FKSI19 and EQ5D, etc. The, the The bottom line is the bottom line is in terms of quality of life, there was no at, at no time point was there a significant difference in quality <laughs> of life between the two arms. What I would say though is what you saw in the modified IP arm that you it didn't really move from baseline, so it was pretty a flat line in the standard arm you saw this dip at around the 7 to 12 week mark which which kind of makes sense right based on 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 what we know um and then and then it sort of it it, then it sort of came it recovered to baseline and then actually slightly went above the um modified PR. arm now it's difficult to read too much into that and
2: as i say they were never significantly different at any time point that's interesting it seems different than the checkmate two on four qol data which i don't think dipped much if i remember correctly no it didn't in fact pardon. it was sort of got better early on maybe because of steroid use but and i think this is we just we just did a podcast with janet brown about her star study and kind of the same thing these qol instruments are pretty blunt tools yep. to capture because you did show significantly less toxicity but it wasn't really captured in qol
1: yeah,
0: that's
2: right, Brian. Yeah. Well, uh, a couple
0: of questions to both of you. I guess the first thing is that we're giving NEVO frequently to patients with metastatic kidney cancer. This is a randomised trial. It suggests you don't need to give. The same, the toxicity might be a little bit better. Does this change practice for either of you, or do you think we should continue going with standard dosing?
2: Brian, start with you. I don't think it changes my approach to to a standard patient walking in the door. I'll still plan on sort of check my two on four dosing, but I think it does provide reassurance. And and Nav mentioned some melanoma data that, you know, if you get to two or three cycles and the patient's having significant toxicity, there's nothing magic about four doses. There's nothing magic about every three weeks. I will often assess response if a patient's sort of, if I'm worried about giving that extra dose, I'll get some disease response data to put in the equation. So I think we just need to be open to modifying, even if we're not necessarily going to do it for every patient.
0: And Brian, because it appeared that if you believe, I guess there are two questions, but I'll try and be uh, succinct if possible. It's very unusual. It'd be um, unlikely. So, so, you know, do, would you consider giving a booster dose of IP to any patients at any time after month period, six-month period? Because if you believe that IP is important, this data suggests that you can get away with giving boost officially what do you think about that statement
2: yeah i'm not i'm not sure about that honestly i i haven't done that i'm not, I'm not sure about that i'm not sure that's true so you look at this data and this data
0: tells you don't need to give all four but it doesn't it tells you the same or sorry this data says you don't need to force in all four you should for if you can, but it doesn't convince you that you should give booster doses if, if, as time goes, correct for me. And now, uh, where does it where do you stand with it?
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm with Brian, I mean, I think we
0: you know, can disagree
1: is... with him, but by... <laughs> <No. laughs> yeah, over uh, the last this... years, he's got most <laughs> of you know, as, as much as as much as I'd like to think that this, the, 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 this should. <laughs> change standard of care i don't think it does i don't think it does at all i mean three weeks will remain will remain the standard of care but i think it just it, it does it did it, it, it is important that it makes us think about uh, that can,
2: life can life i have a question
0: a different way um brian i worry that, that might be you in the background with your car um no it's not
2: me sorry i'm outside I
0: apologize oh now brian <laughs> The Omnivore data showed that if you add ipi to Nevo, and Mike Cat did an excellent podcast mm-hmm. on that this time last year, you increase your response rate by 20%. Life's not all about, about disease control, well, and that's suggesting that the addition of ipilimumab is associated no. with some disease control. So why not give a booster dose after a period of time? So it was,
2: so it was more like 10%. There were very few, if any, CRs. Right. So it's not the same as giving it. Yeah, up but that's front. a 30 percent reduction in target lesions. I'm not
0: talking about, you know, I'm talking about a big, you know, that's it's not easy to achieve to, to achieve a response
2: by just adding in IP. Well, okay, OK, but I'm just saying that a lot of those people who are didn't ne- never made it to salvage IP, right? That's the other thing you have to think about. Right. Yeah, but it, if you start but, off with IO monotherapy and those patients progress and die, then you've done them a disservice. I'm not saying there isn't a subset you can do that, but we don't know how to identify that subset. But
0: the addition of the drug a year into therapy, giving a star doses to start with, I realize we're a long way off. So I'm asking provocative questions on purpose. <laughs> it's not it's probably not doing any harm. And Mike's data suggests some patients. It's well, getting I, some control. I think
2: I don't know where you're getting. It's not doing any harm. Right. Adding IPI will always add toxicity. OK, no, I'm brought into that. I'm just pushing you a little bit, if I may, because um, because in
0: the lung cancer, in lung cancer, they have done studies looking at intermittent or different schedulings of IPI, which, again, hasn't shown a big detriment to the, to the efficacy. Right. So my last question. So, I mean, I'm, I have to say I'm not convinced that we've got the perfect regime. And, I, sure. and had we started with IPI every three months rather than every three weeks, we'd be probably having the discussion exactly the opposite way around at the moment where you'd be saying all that front and, talk, and, and yeah. actually so I think we need to be careful before we dismiss things um, I agree the data is not robust enough to change practice but I think the body of evidence does suggest that the addition of ipilimumab journey from an efficacy perspective is is at, probably adds some question the other opposite question if I may the other hypothesis is if he's not doing anything at all and it doesn't matter when you give it because it's got no activity. <laughs> so
2: just address that question for me. Well, I mean, there is the 8Y8 study out there, right, which is NEVO versus NEVO-EPI. We haven't seen results. I'm not sure when they're coming, but that will address that. I think if you look at the IO monotherapy data and then you look at the EPI-NEVO, obviously not in the same study, you, you get the sense it's adding to response rate and probably adding durability, but I'll, I'll admit that's cross-trial comparisons.
0: Um, now, what's your take on ipilimumab and um, the the single agent pembro data in Dave McDermott's study showed response rate of thirty nine percent versus forty uh, percent. so thirty nine for, for Excuse me, thirty nine for pembro, forty percent for nevo. Um, but the, um, the the PFS was shorter. I think it was five months versus nine months. Do, are, are you is required? And Brian, I'm going to come back to you this for the last question. Do you think ipi really needed for that long-term durability of response. Is this trial that you've done the right place to show that?
1: So, so yeah, the pet, I mean, I, I think look, ultimately there are, the, we always talk about everybody in this sort of, in the same boat. Look, there are a group of patients who I think are going to, who will do very well on single agent, you know, just PD, PD one inhibition. Um, but the problem is we don't know who they are and so i think and we and we as you've been talking about the idea of trying to rescue patients i'm with you know with brian that i you know with that what that doesn't look robust as an as an approach i think you need to get the ip in initially the debate will remain then clearly about how how much more you then need to give and when you give it
2: yeah i, I agree i mean i think it is important up front for long-term durability but i totally agree that dose and schedule and number of doses and when do you stop in certain patients we we frankly have no idea
0: (laughs) last question um well second last question brian how important is more mature survival data for this trial we've looked at i mean nav you've got some survival data at this point it looks very similar i think that's fair um brian how much more because if you believe long-term is important for long-term durability you would expect that survival curve
2: might be important in the future how important is that Kurt? I th- well i mean i think it's important but i think this is just you know one piece of the puzzle and there's probably a lot more trials to do to figure out how best to give it be, right again uh, dose schedule a number of doses
0: are we wasting our time asking these questions because it sounds to me like you've made your mind up you're going to keep going with the current schedule whatever happens what do we need to do if a randomized phase two can't change your mind what do we need to do to
2: change your mind Uh, If they're asking me, I mean, I I think we should look and see what melanoma has done and not reinvent the wheel. And a lot of the altered schedules with melanoma and with lung really haven't been adopted. Right. And so I think it's a good question. We have to ask ourselves, is this is this the best place to spend our resources, our our clinical research resources? I'm not. I think it's really important, but it's hard to it's just hard to study. I mean, mean, my perspective is
0: have in a second but my perspective on that for what it's worth is exactly the same as what you just said is that what we've shown is it's not very we agree
2: on this yeah it's unusual we do
0: we've spent quite a lot of time and nab spent quite a lot of time showing that it doesn't seem to make a huge difference doing it a different way so let's not spend the next 20 years doing this in a randomized phase three this is the point the randomized phase two a bit less toxic no real difference in activity probably easier to keep what we're doing, and look at other trials like Cosmic three one three and other bits and pieces, rather than spending the next kind of refine this. NAB, what's your take on that? What I just said?
1: Yeah, Sad. Yeah, I totally agree, Ty. You know, we there's going to be this. Not the right study to do to sort of maybe you know do a formal uh, big trial to to show non-inferiority. We've seen the challenges with that. I think you've just been trying to Janet, as you said about the Star study. And the challenges with that and trying to get a, a study like that done and by the time you've done the standard you know the, the world's moved on again potentially uh so yeah huge challenges to to doing these sort of studies but i mean i think we all recognize the importance of them but they are really difficult to 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 deliver and um you know we've seen that already but although we can see that see the relevance as you're kind of saying we're starting to add in other things to the ipi-nevo combination. So, 313 being an an example of that. So I mean, trying to reduce the toxicity seems relevant, but, but trying to deliver studies that are going to now change the standard approach is, is incredibly difficult.
0: I mean, now from my perspective, I think what this data adds, and I think again, that it does suggest you don't need to force in those four first four cycles in the face of toxicity. And, uh, and, and that's quite important for the community. Like either you or yourself suggest, I'm not, from my perspective, I'm happy putting a significant delay in the third or, dare I say, at the fourth cycle of IPI. Yep. I tend to give it if yep. I can. And I'm very happy to put a six to eight week delay in that. I don't think you need to force them in on the three weekly time schedule if they don't go in. It's do or die. I mean, my perspective on that is, and I think this data supports the fact that either delaying or not giving that is better than trying to force in those four first four cycles. And remember, in the randomized trials, you really did have to comply with the protocol, otherwise the patient came off protocol. So it uh, does actually add to that information. And uh, and congratulations on a terrific study, NAB, and I'm uh, and, and looking forward to seeing you very soon in Paris.
1: Thanks, Tom. Keep Thanks, well. Cheers, then.
0: Bye-bye.